Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Hey friends, if you are looking for ad-free Sense of Soul episodes, you can find them at Sense of Soul Patreon. Become a monthly member at any level. You will also have access to our monthly SOS Sacred Circles, our mini-series, merch, and much more. And it's a great way to help support our podcast so that we can continue to bring you inspiring episodes twice a week with our enlightened guests from all around the world. Check out our Patreon. Today, joining us from Australia, we have Rhiannon Hines. She is an intuitive channeler, an energy worker, the founder of the Intuitive Rebirth Energy Work Method, and the author of The Keepers of the Light Codes, a channeled guide to ending your spiritual quest and initiating your mastery. Rhiannon has dedicated her life to soul work and it is her mission to initiate as many lightworkers as possible. She has had a desire to initiate as many lightworkers as possible. And today she's joining us to share her journey with us and how she became that light. Thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, morning. How are you guys? We're good. We were just like, wow, it's her morning. She's a whole day ahead of us. Yeah, I'm a morning person though. If it was my evening, I'd be struggling. <laughs> Got the two young kids. By the time I put them to bed, I'm just like, oh, can't go on. Since your name is Rianne and I thought maybe that you were like the bell through the night. <laughs> Wouldn't you love to love her, <laughs> right? Yeah, I love that you're actually knowing my name. Like, Rhiannon is not uncommon in Australia, but everyone that I've spoken to in the States is like, how do I say your name? I'm like, do you not know Fleetwood Mac? She is like a god to me. I love speaking She's my favorite. Yeah, it's actually a Welsh name, though. My mum's like lineage is Welsh, so maybe they're into Fleetwood Mac as well. <laughs> yeah, right. Everyone should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. You guys must be close friends, hey? Oh, yeah. I've been friends since we were 15. Uh, <sighs> and then you went on your spiritual path together? Yes. We are so blessed that we had each other. That's why we do this podcast, because we don't want people to feel alone in it, because it can be exciting, but also very challenging. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I have a best friend like that. We've been friends since high school. We've actually been on like the exact same page together since the since we were teenagers. Like we had these boyfriends straight out of school and they were both Irish and they were like our first loves. And we were like so madly in love with these two Irish men. And then at the same time, we broke up with them. And then we like lived in a house together and we started listening to like mantras and we started going to like ecstatic dances. And we, this is when we were like maybe 23. And then we started going to like all these sister circles. And then we went on a teacher, yoga teacher training together. And then we met these other two guys and they were both really wild and we started dating them. And then we got really into partying and we had like a bit of an awakening like that way, but it was short lived luckily. And then we met these other two guys now who are like the loves of our lives and we both have babies. And yeah, it's, and you know, like, a, and she became a teacher when I became a teacher and she's a tantrika, she teaches tantra. That's amazing. Similar to Mandy and I. I feel so sad for people that don't have anyone to lean on when they're going through this awakening because there's so many questions. It's true because I don't know about you, but looking back, I can see that I was definitely always an empath and didn't understand that and saw it as such a negative thing. 
no one ever guided me through emotions or my sensitivities. In fact, they were made fun of, you know, tapped in, but yet it wasn't really identified. For sure. I'm a very lucky person who my mom is really tapped in like she's real she's a homeopath and she's a healer like she's a reiki master but she's she's a witch really because her homeopathy is like intuitive homeopathy she gets told the remedy when I was 17 my mum told me that she was like Rhiannon don't freak out but I've got a lump in my breast and I'm not going to go to the doctor or anything but I am going to treat it as though I need to change my lifestyle and heal and like prior to this moment my mum she definitely wasn't like on the spiritual path, but she really just radically changed at this moment. She became raw vegan for like three months and super straight. She stopped drinking alcohol. I remember when I was a teenager, there was like words like love. I am healed. I am love. I am like all of She started to like drive us to school, listening to like affirmations. I was like, this is so weird. And she changed, like her face changed. She morphed into a different person. So like I had two mums, like I had my first mum until I was 17. And then I had my second mum, who was like transformed into like an angel when I was 17. And then so I had that transmission from a really, really young age. So I saw the two different manifestations of two different ways of being like in my mother. So from like such a young age, I had her to guide me as like a spiritual mentor, because she had just been through this like really intense dark night of the soul. So I'm so lucky that I've had that. Well, my whole adult life anyway. So did she heal her cancer? She wouldn't use that word, but she became more healthy and the lump disappeared 100%. Yeah. (laughs) But she doesn't use that word, but it was a non-moving lump, you know, and tumors don't move. So it was a non-moving lump that was really big in her breast. And yeah, she did all these different things and week by week she was measuring it and it just reduced and reduced. People were looking at her saying, Deb, you look amazing. What are you doing? And it's like, if only they knew, like this was her version of a treatment, you know? So she has like always been my spiritual mentor, really, even though my rebellion was short-lived where I pulled away and wanted to dive into like other ways of expanding my consciousness that she probably would have frowned upon. (laughs) I love that. And how about your father? Yeah, my dad, he would say he's an atheist, but he's not. He has like realized so many higher qualities already without knowing or taking any credit for it. For example, he is the most present person I have ever known. Like he has no worry for the future and he doesn't dwell in the past. He is just like pure presence. He's really like unconditionally loving no matter all these weird things I've done in my life. He's just like there, but he has no trust that things will work out better you know he has no trust that the world is transforming into more divine new place you know he doesn't trust in the death and rebirth process he just thinks we're all screwed Mm. but my mum and him they make a good balance I'm pretty lucky in terms of my parents minimal trauma to (laughs) minimal (laughs) wounding to heal yes what made you and your friend you went and took a class together and learned how to tap into some healing yeah well the first thing that we did together was we went to Germany it was called a tantra yoga teacher training that was really amazing and really challenging and we were like meditating every morning and at this point I was like this is so boring like I just want to do yoga and get fit you know and um, you know sitting on the mat and there would be a bowl that would chime and it would go for like 45 minutes is meditation in silence we were both so challenged by this we just wanted to do like the dancing and the yoga and about two weeks in we like 
got these bikes and we rode to this little German bar and like a rebellion, we just needed to break away. But that whole container, just something clicked in us. We just changed. We just changed. And it was set on this commune in Germany. It's like a just welcome, free love, and it's an interesting community. And they're completely self-sufficient. But in being there, we were like, picking flowers for the altar we were like eating off the land we were like getting the transmission of what it's like to live totally surrendered to the present moment from all these families that live there and then we just changed after that something changed while we were there we didn't realize how impactful it was we were kind of thinking this is boring as soon as we were spat out we were like that was bliss and We've been kind of on a journey to recreate that in one way or another, Um, not consciously, but, you know, looking to reconnect to living back on land, looking to bring simplicity back into our lives, connection. So that was about 10 years ago now. And what we did there felt so foreign to our lives. But now I can see that that is actually more closer to my life than anything else. (laughs) So now are you all about that silent time with that bowl just digging away? (laughs) No, I've got a three-year-old and a (laughs) one-year-old. Do you know what it is? This is a huge part of like what I channeled in my book. This is a huge lesson that I've had. It's like I had so much attachment to that practice as I started to like cultivate the meditation more and more. I had associated that that practice was my spiritual connection, you know, like the 30 minutes a day where I could do that. If I didn't have that, then I wasn't connected. And then when I got pregnant with Lillian, who's my eldest, something changed. It's like I couldn't do my yoga. I felt like I couldn't connect. I felt like I was really trapped in my body and I just had to let it all go. And there was such a death. And I thought like, how will I ever be connected to spirit again? (laughs) And then I had so many aha moments in that pregnancy, you know, like when the baby was born, I was holding her. It's like, ah, this is the practice. Or when I was going for a walk with her in the pram, I was looking at the trees. I was like, ah, this is the practice. You know, I don't meditate really anymore. Like I lay, if I get a quiet moment, I lay down and maybe open a little channeling dialogue that lasts about four minutes. Yeah, that's it. I don't have meditation anymore in my life, but I feel more connected than ever because it's like I've realized that the meditation is the practice, literally. It is the practice run to integrate connection into your life. So once the meditation has served its purpose, you might not need it at all because you realize that in every waking moment, like via the heart, it's all connection. It's all divinity. Yeah. yeah, I've been there. I remember when I had Kensley, my youngest, and I remember I also at the same time had a puppy. And I taught them both to meditate with me. That's so nice. I noticed in your bio, it says that you're very connected to the galactic realm. What does that mean? Well, it's funny because whenever I write things, like they're really relevant at that time. And my connection to spirit changes so rapidly. So even as you say that now, I'm like, oh, yeah, that does say that. (laughs) For me, I feel that I'm connected to all the realms. When I was channeling that book, I felt a very galactic source coming through. So whenever I channel, I call forth my highest and brightest guides. I don't just say like I'm calling forth this specific galactic being or or this specific angel because I feel that there's a limitation in that, you know, like you're only then attuning to one 
frequency, one vibration. So I say I call forth my highest and brightest guides and then whatever I'm doing, I will get a different resonance come through based on what's needed. So if I'm doing a session with someone, there might be like, they need to be grounded down and anchored. I get this very, if I call forth my highest and brightest team, I might get this real shamanic force coming through me that like wants to ground them back into the earth. As I was channeling that book, like I felt like I was so connected to the civilizations of light that exist across the vastness of the cosmos. I just felt like there was this unified consciousness of light beings on all these different planets. And that's what I mean by the galactic realms, like not one specific being, not one specific planet, but the collective consciousness that is all the light beings who are working to anchor heaven on earth and heaven across the cosmos. Yeah. And that's the energy that was really coming through as I channeled that book. So that's why I wrote that then (laughs) if there's a revealing of a guide or revealing of a a source of wisdom if I anchor into them too much my messages get distorted because it's just one limited vibration and there's one limited source of information and then I also find that if I just am over and over connecting to one source then if that connection goes away because I'm no longer needed then there's this like feeling of abandonment like oh where's my guide but that guide has just been replaced by like 10 more you know so that's why I always say my highest and brightest guides who is the divine wisdom that you mentioned who is wisdom to you that to me is god right source or whatever you want to call it that is the unified force that is all of creation that is the force that turns a love making experience into new life without ever needing to do anything the perfect timing the perfectly laid out series of events to create new life right that is the creation that is source that is divine wisdom or you know I spoke about this the other day about like you know watching the moon and how it moves the sun and how it moves the tides the waves the animals the flowers that bloom like nothing is out of place it's all so perfect and it's all encoded with divine wisdom and when we're in alignment with that as a frequency that is us as well but sometimes we forget that we are that perfect. But when we remember that we are that perfect, we are tuned to an incredible wisdom within us that's all around us as well. That was so beautiful. First of all, your, your voice is beautiful. You have such oh. a sweet, yeah, calming voice. But wow, the way you described that was like melting me. Uh-huh. thank you I yeah. think I yeah. always find like the American accent so nice I think it's like whatever is a bit different hey sounds <laughs> sounds nice <laughs> so let's talk about the book keepers of the light codes so are they actually codes that, that you're teaching yeah I wouldn't be able to take credit to say I'm teaching it <laughs> but a code is anything that imprints a higher frequency or a lower frequency right so a light code is an imprint into a higher vibration if you're receiving a light code you're basically being upgraded to more light to hold more divinity so to be a keeper of the light codes you're just a holder of more divine light more wisdom so the book is is imprinting that the book is through the words and through the practices as a transmission there's an imprint to to hold more light and to purge 
or clear anything that is in resistance to that light or anything that is not in alignment with that light. So the when I channeled it, it was coming through as like nine lessons. So there's like these short lessons and then 28 initiations. And each lesson and initiation is like really different. A lot of them have practices, you know, where you're sitting and you're feeling your body or you're, you're breathing in a certain way or doing a certain mantra. And each of these is helping to anchor in the codes of light, helping us. And, and in a lot of ways, what the anchoring is, it's a clearing of whatever is in resistance to it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what it is. There's a transmission through the words and the practices that allows us, allows us as Dorita to anchor in that higher vibration. The initiations, how many did you say there was? Yeah, there's 28, but they're quite short. There's like maybe three or four pages. They're quite short. It's not a really intense thing to read, but if you spend time with one initiation every few days, then you can just kind of take it in in that way. So they really, really vary, right? Some of them are so random where it's like the words as you read them is like medicine. It's like you don't need to get it. You're reading it and, and something is happening in your energy body. You can almost feel it as you we can feel it when you're reading. So one of the initiations that I find really random is called the turn of the blue key. It's just like opening a portal or um, anchoring in this wisdom. And it's so interdimensional. It's so random that all you have to do is just read and receive. But then some of them make much more sense to our human mind. <laughs> you know, like there's one that's called the shadow that kept you prisoner. And this one's quite early on. So it's like allowing yourself when you're feeling like restricted or you're feeling a bit heavy or weighed down, allowing yourself to feel that emotion and to dive into it because there's a portal in the pain, right? There's like an opening in the restriction. Each one allows us to expand a little more. Each one allows us to expand. And then as they build, they're getting more and more expansive. At the start, they're, they're very simple, you know, like you guys, would, a lot of your listeners would read it and be like, I know this. I know that the heart needs to be open. I know that there's light in my heart, blah, blah, blah. So simple, you know, it's just like reminders. And as it progresses, the ideas are quite challenging. As Even as I was channeling it, I was like, I don't know if this is true. And then I had to just sit with the ideas, like the idea that nothing is out of place. Everything is exactly as it needs to be in every single moment. And then all my mind was like, but what about this? What about this? It's like, no, no, release it all. It's all perfect. And as we allow these messages to become truth and just settle into our being, we hold a greater ability to expand into our own divinity, our own perfection when we're seeing the world as perfection. So yeah, there's so many different vibrations in each initiation, but the final initiation is one that anchors all of that work in it's really nice for me to read it because it doesn't feel like my words you know we have a lot of guests that come on that don't want to take credit for their book because it's been channeled yeah but there's a lot of people that don't understand what what that feels like or looks like and you definitely have to have a lot of self-trust because your ego is going to want to jump in did you find yeah. that happening a lot if I was like 
that, then I wouldn't write. I would just stop and just know that what is driving this session of writing? Is it just my desire to write a book or is it me opening to receive? I wrote the opening chapter and there's such a different tone. There's such a different tone there. With the channeled information, it just kind of, it came through really effortlessly. If I was in the right headspace or the right heart space and spirit would tell me when is the right time. And a lot of those right times, because most of this book was written when I had a newborn and a two-year-old. <laughs> If I was writing a book from my head, that would be a hard thing to do. But because it's channeled, it was actually the most relaxing thing I could have done in a very chaotic time. So like my two-year-old would only sleep in the car. So for about two hours a day, I would just be in the car. And I, where I live is really beautiful. So I would just drive out into the forest. And then when both the babies are asleep, I would just sit and I would open my windows to like hear the birds and just like feel the, the fresh air in the forest coming through the car. And then I never had a notebook or anything, but I always had my phone. So I downloaded Google Docs. And I would just do maybe like an hour in my car. So most of this book was written on Google Docs at nap time in my car. <laughs> That's when I felt most clear, most expansive, like in nature, my heart was open. And anytime I tried to like carve out time, put it in the diary, get the kids looked after and write, I would do anything but write. It just wouldn't happen. <laughs> Have you had like best friend or your family or the people that know you the most uh, read it and they're probably like, we know you channel that because it doesn't sound like you at all. Yeah, well, my mom has like really deeply gone through all the practices and she's oh, wow. like, wow, they're really good, Rihanna. I'm like, oh, thank you, mom. <laughs> yes, yeah, she's really, really done them and it's stupid to say I couldn't write it. But if I wasn't in my heart, if I wasn't opening to that source information, I couldn't write it. However, with that being said, I will take some credit to say that when we're tapped into our divine purpose, we're all channels. You know, like the best musicians, they're channeling. The best artists, they're channeling. And even the best actors and actresses, they're channeling. But what they're channeling is the vibration of the character. So like in order for us to channel our the essence of our divine purpose we have to be in alignment with that essence we have to vibrate at a resonant frequency with that message you know so mm. I'll take some credit for that <laughs> Stevie Nicks is definitely a channeler then <laughs> yeah for sure like these musicians and you just think and they'll say I wrote that song in five minutes it's like you know they were so dropped into their body just receiving receiving and trusting that's just channel it's just channeling but we, we all hold different intentions don't we and mine was to channel the light codes <laughs> how long did it take you more than six months not quite a year you know about maybe about nine months so about halfway through where I started to get, get the idea that it was a book I was got very excited and then it started to speed up a little bit <laughs> Oh. You know what I love about you is that me and Shanna always tell people we're just two moms podcasting, you know, from our house, you know, we're just two suburban moms that received some knowledge and turned it into wisdom by putting it into action. But we're no one special. We're not a doctor, we're not a neuroscientist. I think what's beautiful about your story is clearly you're a bit tad younger than us. You have two children, you're busy, and you were still able to channel and find this amazing presence of serenity and this gift of knowledge. And I mean, I can't even imagine when my kids were that age, if they were sleeping, I would have been sleeping. So good on you. <laughs> uh, 
if you knew that you wanted to do this podcast then, if you had that inspiration then, well, you didn't have it then because it wasn't the perfect time. But if it was the perfect time, you would have had so much energy for this creation from your heart that even if you were tired, you would have done it and it would have kind of energized you. And I think yeah. that's the yeah. that's the thing. Like if there's a mom listening to me now, they might think, oh, well, I didn't write a book. Does that make me shit? And it's like, no, because what is your essence? What is your purpose? What gives you life? What lights you up? Because you will always find energy for that. Like my sister-in-law, she does this incredible craft. She's got the same age kids as me, right? Exactly the same. She does these incredible crafts for kids. You know, she makes these felt angelic little toys and they're just so incredible and every evening she does this crafting right and makes these angelic toys and she's given them to my kids and it's like there is no way at the end of the day that I could create a craft for my children like I find it hard enough to feed them three meals like that's my upper limit of creative creativity for my children you know and then it's like but when her heart because her heart is so open for that creative expression it's just easy and that's what it was for me writing that book but if I tried to do something else I wouldn't have had that energy but it's just I just knew that is exactly what I was meant to be doing then yeah so what would you say to someone like my son who I told him those exact words the other day you've got to find you know what makes you feel joy what your purpose is like what makes you feel happy and he said what makes me feel happy doesn't pay the bills and I think a lot of our world struggles with that how old is your son 24 yeah well this is the conditioning right of our society I hate to say it but the school system there is a lot of effort that goes in to program that way of thinking because that way of thinking is what keeps all the cogs moving in a broken society yeah that is sad but also like that doesn't mean that that way of thinking will last because he might you know when we were in our early 20s I reckon we all have that to some degree but I think if we just start to play just start to do things that make you feel like a child you know that kind of childlike excitement then you start to get the imprint of the magic of life you know like for me I remember it was like ecstatic dancers when I first went to ecstatic dance I was like everyone is so weird and I do not want to be here and then a few dances in I was like I'm weird now too (laughs) travel is so good you know where you have that feeling as a a young person that you're free but really like the reason that all those things feel so good is because that's how life should feel life should feel like freedom So I think for anyone that's feeling like the entrapment of life where you have to do what pays the bills, perhaps you're not ready to just like jump into a whole new career because that's going to feel scary, but just start to inject into your life anything that feels like liberation, whatever that is. The more you do that, the more you're not going to be able to accept anything that feels too far less than that. You just got to go. I was just having a meeting before our meeting with my son's teacher. My son, Ethan's in transitions. So he's on the spectrum. So it's for kids with um, disabilities. And what they do is teach you how to do interviews, bring you out to job fields and let you try different things that you like. So he went on his first job interview and during the interview, I evidently, he said something like, well, what are you, you know, what are you looking for? And he was like, nothing. I don't want a job. 
Yeah, I don't blame him. <laughs> he failed that. And his teacher and I were just talking about that because this is what he said. He said, yes, I believe you should have a passion, Ethan. And if that's what you want to do, then I think you should always have that as your ultimate dream. This is what I want to do. He goes, and in the meantime, you got to have the reality job too. He said, and, and all of those things are going to help you eventually get to your dream. That's true. He said, it is true because he, he said, you're going to find out things that you don't want to do. You're going to find yeah. out things you're good at. You're going to find out things you're really not good at. You're going to find jobs that you just don't want. <laughs> you know, if he wants to be a WWE star, you know, that may be a little high. He weighs like a hundred pounds and he's like six one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's interesting coming from a non-ego perspective that he has. Like he just, he just wants to do something fun. I can relate to your son so deeply. I can. Right. Like when I was 22 or no, maybe younger, like 21, I had a fiance and I had a mortgage and I was like, had this office job and I was doing life, like ticking all the boxes. And I was just like, this is so crap this this life could not be it this is so terrible and I used to drive with my partner we both worked in the city and we like commuted along the freeway like in traffic just going really slow in our little boring outfits in our car and um and I'd be like don't you think it's so stupid that we're all in these little bubbles driving to these little buildings to do these funny movements looking at a screen and then we go home he was like you're so weird I'm not weird just open your eyes this is stupid and like couldn't see what I was saying but I would explain to people like the ludicrousy of what we were all doing these weird little dances around this office building like walking into this room walking into this room like moving papers around I said this is crazy Um, (laughs) and they thought you were the crazy one they thought I was crazy to this little neighborhood that every other house is the exact same right perfect like on the Truman show like literally we are in the matrix (laughs) in the Truman Show yeah then that's why I was like I've just got to do some fun things and I think this is why people party right like and drink and just get like out of their minds because that feels like freedom like from their perspective of the like deep entrapment and pain of their life it's like how can I feel free I'm gonna go to a nightclub and I'm gonna dance and I'm gonna drink and I'm gonna get so out of my body that it feels like freedom But what they don't realize is then it's like once that all wears off, it's like, bam, I'm back in this prison. That is my life. And then the need to do it comes again. Whereas life can actually have such a pure aspect of that freedom running Mm -hmm. through it all the time. And it doesn't come overnight. Like as Shana says, it's like you you just play, you bring in the play. Maybe you're doing the boring job but you're bringing in the play and you're going traveling you're going on holiday more you're going to things that are way out of your comfort zone and I think anything to do with like dance and song and like movement connection with community that makes you feel silly it's just the best because life is a bit silly and you should feel like that (laughs) you know what it's like whatever you do just do it with all of your heart the universe will support that a hundred percent do you consider like Tantra play? Do you um, suggest it for couples and for people? Uh, I, do you know what? I wouldn't be in the space to advise, but I would definitely, I've done, I've dabbled. I've had like, I've gone to a few events here and there. There's an amazing Tantra teacher in Perth. She's a friend now because I've known her for so many years, but she's mm-hmm. always been a very good friend of my friend, Abby, the one that I spoke about. So like, because she's been in my community, I've dabbled with these events, but it's never been my world, you know, 
But I think anywhere that you can bring pure presence mm-hmm. and connection into your life, there's going to be healing and there's going to be expansion. So if yeah. that's in your lovemaking, you can find pure presence and connection, like true connection. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, that's going to be so deeply healing for yeah. everybody. But, you know, like a three and a one-year-old, sometimes it's it's hard. And like my best friend, Abby, she's that's her teaching, right? She's a tantrika. She, that's her easy place to be. And she'll tell me the stories of her and her partner and they've got a baby. And I'm like, how do you manage that? Like, <laughs> yeah. And then know, I realized I, like that's her version of writing the book. Ah, I like that. That's, I just saw that's her medicine. Yeah. I just saw an event that's coming to Denver and it's, um, it's all based around senses. And there's like these different stations and one is where you do like body painting and it, it's mm. like embracing the, the paintbrush and having someone else paint you. And anyway, it sounded really cool. Um, I mm. think, yeah, it was the whole event is based around senses. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. that sounds that sounds magic. I just think sometimes events like that or even Tantra kind of gets like a bad name or a weird vibe. Like people think, oh, that's that's like for swingers or that's weird. That's for open relationships or they don't realize that it's a very much a practice as well. Yeah. And it's not sex as well. Sex is one aspect, but it's like, I'm no expert on this topic. So if anyone is an expert listening and I'm, I'm wrong, forgive me. But, you know, like what we spoke about at the, at the start is where you're finding that union with life, with the divine in every moment. So Mm-hmm. you know through eating through eating your delicious dinner and there's so much joy and there's so much bliss in it and then you're finding that connection that union with God in that meal or in a glass of wine or in your love making it's like there's an indulgence that is welcomed in that way of living your life because of course like you can find bliss in all of it mm-hmm. so I think for it to be given like painted with a bad picture I think it's people having fear of the unknown because mm-hmm. in a lot of these events finding that union with God in moments is what is cultivated in these events. So it could be through dance. It could be through like walking in nature. It could be through swimming in like a lake. And it's just like, if you think about that moment where you're like in a body of water and you're swimming, your heart's so open and you're just like, you're having Mm -hmm. like a full orgasmic moment in life. That's a ton, like that's Tantra, you know? So I think everybody could benefit from doing that for sure. Yeah. Can we talk about your modality, the intuitive rebirth practitioner certification? You actually teach this. Is that right? Yeah. So what I teach is a method of energy work that (laughs) that I've cultivated over the years, right? So when I say I've cultivated, it's like it's been given to me and it's just something that I've done so organically and naturally. And it's created such impact in my energy work sessions that it's like, wow, I have, I have to teach this. Um, so what I've always done, well, for the last maybe four years, my sessions have gone in a certain way. And that is that I've channeled before my clients have come. So it's like I've tuned into them via a photo or by their name and felt the essence of them before they come. And then I've asked with a really clear intention, how can I serve this client for the highest good today? You know, how can I most deeply transform and heal with the assistance of the divine today? And then I'm told what to do. And I call it rebirth because in the energy work that I do, there's always a death and some sort of initiation, like a purge and a calling in. So when I get told what to do for the client, I don't need to know why and I don't need to know the story. 
So it could be like there is a great pain in the womb space and it is taking the shape of like a, a big heavy ball, like a big ball and chain like in the womb space and they're going to, they need to feel it and then it's going to clear. It's going to, it's going to birth from their body and back to source with love, right? They come in and they might tell me their, their story. They don't tell me they've got a ball, but I'm holding that in my mind, right? But they're telling me their story and their story could go off in a massive tangent about ex-boyfriends, blah, blah, blah. They've got a sore shoulder, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, if I was just listening to that and doing work from that space, it can only get as deep as that energy will allow. But because I'm just, I'm listening, I'm holding the space, but then I know that we're going to work with the womb. And then we do that work. And then what happens is then there's this big, as the energy clears, maybe there's this big release from the shoulder as well, but it's only cleared because the womb's cleared. Are you tapping into your guides or their guides? The guidance system that best wants to serve that scenario for the, for the transformation, for the highest good of that client. So it's going to be their guides, it's going to be my guides. So I, I call forth their highest and brightest team. I call forth my highest and brightest team. And then I just ask that as a collective consciousness with the highest intention. But this work is so teachable. And there's so many amazing healers out there that do Reiki or these other subtle modalities. And I know that they want to take their clients deeper, but they don't know how. You know, I know that they can see that there's they're holding, the clients are holding on to so much and they just don't know how to, to take them into their the pain I guess or take them into the contraction so that they can feel the expansion if that amazing Reiki practitioner for example knew how to connect to their client and had that instruction manual of where to guide their client through the breath through visualization through sound through vibration instruments toning then the impact on that client's life is so big and I feel like so many people are ready for this deeper work, both as a, like a collective of healers, definitely as a collective of our humanity that needs more deep healing, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's pretty exciting for me. Reiki is such a great platform for people to step into if they're being called to do energy work or healing for others. And I teach the basics of Reiki, but I still always tell them, you know, the things that I do in addition to that, but I also encourage them to find their own because it will come if, if yeah. that's what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's it. And I always ask my students like, okay, so take yourself into the vision of you as like a wise woman. So say you're 70 and you're healing, you're in your session space at home and it's just so magic. You're renowned in your community for what you do because you've done this for years and like see that as a vision. Are you holding an instrument? How are you moving your hands? What, what energy is in the space? What are you doing? And it's never, they're never just doing this. They've got drums, they're singing, they're doing all sorts of, all sorts of like unique and authentic things that are just their own soul gifts as a healer. And it's like, I always say 70 because then people give themselves permission to indulge the vision because it's so far in the future or it might be far in the future, it might not be, you know, like a period of time that's a lot far enough for us to indulge. And then it's like, okay, well, let's bring that vision to next year. Why can't you do that? You are, you can, that's your soul imprint as a healer. So if you see yourself with the drum, go, go treat yourself to a drum, pick up the drum. If you see yourself toning and singing, start toning and singing in the car and allow yourself to embody your most powerful and an authentic healer because we all heal a bit differently as you say to your students we, we you just got to let it 
you got to let it unfold. But first of all, it's like we need permission sometimes from someone that it is okay to get a bit wild if you're, if that is what spirit is guiding you to do for that person's highest good. And I think when we release all judgment of ourselves as healers, release all judgment of the session, release all expectation of an outcome for the session, let go of any need for the session to be good or well-received and just set the intention, like how can I give this client, how can I serve them for their highest good? Show me what I need to do and let thy will, not my will be done. And then you get out of the way and you do it. You'll end up doing some beautiful and and wild things in your sessions. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. I I I don't know where that came from, but that was pretty cool I've never had that experience before and that it's just like constant so yeah. I love that because you know I mean here's the thing if you're trying to keep yourself to the rules of Reiki or whatever modality well then you just done put yourself in a whole new box exactly you know? yeah and the modality that is like our own authenticity it's gonna just like blossom over years but first of all we need to let go of the fear <laughs> like there's always a big moment where you have to try and do something new that maybe you know you need to do in the session but gosh it's scary and for a lot of healers I reckon there's the throat chakra is like blocked for a lot of healers and there's a need to make sound because like the mouth is such a purging and clearing center and the throat as a channel is where I believe that energy like comes up and clears for say from the womb up and out and wants to come out in a cough or in a sound and I think as a healer because we're conduits for our clients in that moment we are getting this feeling a lot that we need to do something in order to assist with the purging and the clearing and also just to hold space for our client to make noise. But so many healers will feel the desire to sing or the desire to tone and won't do it because of the fear. And I feel that there needs to be like a collective opening of the throat chakra of the healers, you know, pick up a drum, make some noise, start omming over your client. And just feel the power of your voice and your throat as a clearing center. Great suggestion. I, I need to do that. Actually, right when you were saying that, I was like, <coughs> I felt like I was going to gag. <laughs> I cough my, the whole way through sessions a lot. <laughs> I'm pretty loud during my sessions. I usually warn people. Yeah, so that, yeah. yeah, that's like, that's when you're, you know, you're an open channel and you, you're clear in all your centers and you're just being a conduit. Mm-hmm. So you're feeling the energy like move through you and out in your voice and your weirdness. It's, you know, that's when you're authentic and tapped in. I, I'm curious about the triangles. You have a lot of triangles on your website and then also on your book. I love the cover. It's very clean and but captivating with the gold and the white. But uh, again, a lot of triangles. What do triangles mean to you? Thank you. There's a lot of Merkabas, the Merkaba symbol, which is also the my logo of my business, the symbol for the light body. We have our physical bodies and we have our light bodies. And if we are if we're activated into our divinity, just to keep it simple, then we're living in our light bodies. And the triangle holds so many meanings as a three-pointed symbol. There is so many meanings of the triangle. I actually have a triangle like tattoo but behind my ear. I got it so many years ago. <laughs> but there's the holy trinity of the divine mother, the divine father, and the child, the father, the son, the holy spirit. You know, in so many religions and so many spiritual teachings, there's the holy trinity. And it can take on any meaning at any time. Also, I just really re- resonate with the symbol. I just feel its power, even in just looking at it. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. How does one who is a mother stay grounded in such a 
busy, chaotic world that's shifting very fast right now. Yeah, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Because the world is, the external world has been getting a little bit wild the last couple of years, safe to say. But I think when you turn off all the external stimulus of the television and, you know, the radio or what even alternative media can be very guilty of this as well, then what actually is the truth? What is your reality? What do you see with your own two eyes? What's happening in your home? What's happening in your garden? What's happening in your community? And if you can focus more on that as your reality, rather than looking at, you know, what the screens are telling you is happening, then it's easier to get, it's easier to navigate the the true problems in your life right? It's easier to navigate the true problems in your life. And the other thing is we're all being guided very, very rapidly to fulfill our divine purpose in whatever that is right now. You know, we're all being guided to assist with the awakening of humanity, the anchoring of heaven on earth. So if you've got a vision that comes through that excites, like as a mother, you've got a vision that comes through and it excites you. Maybe that vision is to pack up and go live somewhere else. Maybe that vision is to to put your kids in this different school or to, you know, do something else that's super radical and out there. Or maybe your vision is to, to start doing some sort of business that you've been thinking. If you've turned your focus on whatever vision is coming through that is divinely inspired and excites you, then life will get easier and better if you give yourself to that vision and give yourself to the pursuit of that vision. I always say the mantra, like, keep me on my highest path. In my reality, like, I where I live is in Western Australia. Like, we were so locked down here. You couldn't leave Western Australia and even go to another state, right? You couldn't even go to another state in Australia. People couldn't come in. So many people in WA didn't even see their families. They left their jobs. And, like, the mandates were on another level, like, on another level. I think the most severe in the world, right? But my reality was... There was this little coffee shop that was pretty cool. They didn't, they just kind of looked the other way with everything. It's right on the ocean every day. I'll go for a coffee there with the kids, go to the park. I do my work. I keep focusing on my vision and all these miracles are happening in my life. So like if you stay anchored on your vision and your highest vision and don't look too far afield, like there's obviously we need to know the truth. There's no denial of the darkness, like see it and yeah okay I see you I don't need to like I don't need to indulge in you all the time to feed my own addiction to pain I see you I accept you but I'm going to focus on my own vision I'm going to focus on manifesting heaven on earth in my own reality and as I do that I know that I'm helping to create that as a collective reality I would say that that's my greatest advice is to stay focused on the higher vision and to come in with to your own internal world and see that it's beautiful. Mm. Well, you are beautiful as well. Thank you for coming on today. You're yeah. so sweet. Like your soul is just so kind and your voice and your words are so good. Yeah. What is your, what is your hope <laughs> for people that, that read and hold your book? Oh, you made me want to cry. That's really kind. Thank you. <laughs> um, that people realize that they don't need to try so hard, you know. (laughs) There's a message in that of our perfection, of the divine perfection of all things. And even when we're on the spiritual path, 
we as a collective can have a tendency to be so harsh on ourselves we're never healed enough we're never doing enough we're never like helping the world enough or we're not our work isn't taking off enough we're not good enough mothers or whatever <laughs> um but in that you know there's so much harshness and judgment so I'm the book for me it's relaxing to the nervous system because it's like ah oh, I'm it I've never ever put a foot out of place it's all been perfect it's all helped me to this moment where I realize my divinity <sighs> just let it go what do I want to do now and then I can do yeah it's like I hope that whoever reads it gets that uh, moment where they just start enjoying go sit on the grass and look up at the clouds and just let that be enough because it's then life gets really easy that might have been the best selling point ever for a book it is relaxing to the nervous system because we all I was like I need it right now then I need it right now (laughs) yeah because even some spiritual books you read it and it's like oh I've got so much to do like will I ever be enough you know yeah and it sends you down rabbit holes and and it actually like um sparks more thought and makes your nervous system even activate more (laughs) yeah like there are practices in the book but they're not very complex they're just like you know close your eyes imagine this so they're very easy and now it's time for break that shit down Uh, Just the most simple thing that has come through is one of my favorite sayings is just let go and let God, let go and let God. And I always get told this all the time. I'm often, you know, asking how can I do more? How can my work be more, give more? And then I always get told that, let go and let God. And just whenever life gets a bit tricky, ask yourself, what can I do today that feels good for my heart? And let go and let God. And usually if you do those two things over and over, you end up creating more than you could ever imagine and being fast-tracked on your highest path anyway <laughs> without even trying. So, yeah. yeah, that's my final thought is let go and let God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Where can our listeners find your book and find out more information about you? Yeah, so head over to my website, which is just riannonhines.com, and you can find my practitioner certification that I spoke about which is called intuitive rebirth energy work method so you can do that 100% online even if you're yeah overseas or whatever and you can also check out my book from riannonhines.com as well which is going to be available on the 1st of October and a really good place to connect with me is just on my Instagram and you'll find me just riannonhines with an underscore we need to get your best friend on here and it's us two best friends and you two best friends and we just shoot the shit yeah (laughs) Abby's very good talker as well she's like just got away with words that makes everything sound amazing thank you for coming on uh I've enjoyed it so much I read the name of it in a in a just a novel I really liked it thought that's really a beautiful name sat down about 10 minutes later wrote Rhiannon we think that she was in fact queen and that her memory became the myth, I definitely feel that there's a presence in her. This is a song about wealth and wish. Rhiannon rings out the bell through the night. Would you love, love her? 
thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.